welcome, welcome back to another great round of The Hop. This is round 109. I am your host, Stephen Humes, along with my co-host, Gabriel Priya. Hello. And his face is hiding behind a sticker. Ow. Shouldn't have done that, but I'm glad I did. Welcome, everyone. It's Thirsty Thursday. What's that on your face there, Gabe? Um, It's a sticker from the brewery we're drinking on this wonderful Thirsty Thursday. It is none other than Trogues Independent Craft Brewery out of good old Pennsylvania. Trogues, you know them, you love them. Mad Elf, they made the Christmas show a little while ago. They have just amazing beers, and uh, they're one of the, the, the bigger guys in the brewing industry but we figured now is best time as any to feature them and we are ready to do so three beers we're each doing one and then we're splitting off for our own uh, our own little venture and we're really excited about it yeah trogues has been on our show numerous times mostly for christmas but now it's finally their time to shine and uh they've got their own episode three beers plenty of news and notes plenty to do uh, so yeah, we're pumped about it. Let's go to Pennsylvania, please. Um, yeah. So if you're new here, this is the the hop. We drink beer. We have fun. That's kind of our game. Uh, we make craft beer fun, informative and entertaining as well as inclusive. You can follow the show at the HO podcast on social media. If you're interested, our Instagram and Twitter is, uh, it's been called some of the best content out there. Really? Um, it's available to you. You can follow our personals. I am at Shakespeareist. Gabe is at Gaberade67. You can send us an email if you have brewery suggestions, beer suggestions, requests, comments, complaints. Uh, I guess those can go to thehopod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube as a video product. Just search for The Hop, a craft beer podcast. Subscribe. Click that bell and you'll get notified whenever fun, random stuff happens like our tomato pickle video that is uh making waves on the end i would say it's gone viral i've called it tomato pickle death beers because (laughs) well what else were we gonna call it because they made us want to die um so be on the lookout for that engage with the show you know really we are here for you and we like hearing from our audience our fans our friends so uh get with it people let us know what breweries to hit up next. Let us know what breweries to repeat. Uh, let us know if you've ever been to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and if you had Hershey in Hershey, Pennsylvania, because if you didn't, I think you've made a mistake. But other than that, thank you for joining us. We're here for you guys. And with that, we shall dive into the beer news. Beer news. Okay, so here's the thing. Last week's episode uh, had a little bit of a glitch, and some of the news ended up getting cut out of it. So I did just want to mention Another quickly. At- yeah, that's um, <laughs> you know that's that's on us. We're not. If you we're not can't perfect. laugh at yourself, <laughs> we're not perfect. But you know what? If you listened, you'd be none the wiser. But there was a story missing, and we did just want to mention it. It's kind of old news at this point. But the bottom line is, Brew Dog is a company that you should be avoiding at this moment. Their founder and CEO, uh, James Watt, got in a lot of... uh, He's facing accusations of all kinds of inappropriate behavior, mostly towards female employees. And again, I'm not going to go into the whole story because it is old news, but there's a lot of articles coming out about them now. They're getting a lot of bad press. 
This has been addressed on our show before. They were definitely called out as part of the kind of craft beer version of the Me Too movement, but it continues. I mean, it's stuff like, you know, they the breweries would staff extra males uh, with the when the females were working to make them feel more comfortable. They would tell people not to stay around for a drink after a shift because if he was around that they he would make them uncomfortable. Like it's just yeah. an open secret and just just horrible things, horrible things. There's mention of legal action and this and that and it's just a big mess and woof. Yes. And they also are in trouble because uh allegedly this was basically they were there was a big BBC expose that aired and allegedly they provided false documents to the U.S. Department of the AT, uh, ATT or ATB, whatever it's called, uh, Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax and Trade Bureau, in order to get their imports in here faster. So um, there's also fraud involved in addition to uh, inappropriate conduct. So yeah, I, I would I would stop drinking BrewDog at the moment um, while they clean it up, as we like to say. Clean it up. Uh, ATTTB. The ATTTB, the additive. That's that's God. That's hard to say. Anyway, uh, I also want to uh, mention at the in the highlights reel that um, in more positive news, I never get to be the positive news person on the show. <laughs> but in more yeah, positive we don't plan news, that that just happens. <laughs> things are kind of, I mean, knock on all the wood that around you, but things appear to be trending upward. Question mark for the brewery industry. Um, so we're starting to see breweries opening. New tap rooms. I'm seeing that happening a lot all over the country. One notable one, Bronx Brewery, which has not been on our show yet that I know of, maybe uh, as part of a holiday episode. But uh, uh, Oktoberfest, they, first Oktoberfest, Oktoberfest. Okay, so Bronx Brewery is now opening a brewery, a tap room, and pilot brewery in uh, the East Village in New York. So that's fun Woo! for Gabe and anybody. Yeah, that lives there. buddy. So Who wants to go? Send me a DM. Get out there and, and visit your breweries, support them, because uh, while some breweries close, others thrive, and that's the part we love. Amen. Yeah, anything to not play that funeral music, because we <laughs> will. You know we will. We've done it before. We've done it way too much. Uh, some more people moves. Now, okay, it's no secret that we make, we sometimes make little notes for ourselves. Um, and I got to give credit to Steven for this one because he made this note and I'm going to, I'm going to give you the shout out you deserve. Founders has foundered <laughs> its next CEO. Oh, come on. You got to give it to me for a bad pun. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, I like, uh, I hate how much it works. It's one of those like son of a, yeah, it's I funny. I forgot I even wrote that in there. Uh, <laughs> Founders Brewing's got a new one. Uh, they are appointing Elton Andres Knight. First of all, love, what a great name. Elton yep. Andres Knight. Elton Andres Amazing. Knight. Sounds like a, yeah, he sounds like a movie star, honestly. Or like serious, a, like I feel like he should be. Yeah. Um, he has been named the next CEO of Founders. Uh, he used to be. Uh, a part of Avery Brewing, and now he's part of Founders. He's kind of, uh, I don't know how far away they are from each other, but they're pretty close. Uh, so he's not going too far away. Avery's um, in Colorado. Founders is in Michigan. So he's going oh. north. He's oh, going so, north. They, so then it's a respectable distance. I apologize. <laughs> anyway, he's taking over. Uh, Knight is taking over for Mike Stevens, who announced on January 19th that he was going to step down as CEO and transition into more of a board role. Uh, so Elton Andres Knight, welcome. 
Welcome to the party, Elton. Well, he's already been in the party, but he's already been there to your new job. And Good for then you. Dick Leinenkugel. 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 I always say that wrong. The <laughs> I always say it wrong. One of the Dick oldest breweries in America. Leinenkugel. Leinenkugel. Leinenkugel is retiring uh, from the family brewery. Uh, he's his nephew Tony Boozer. Uh, is taking over the 155-year-old brand. That's a lot of years. Um, he is, uh, Dick is finally stepping down. Thank you for your service, sir, and everything you've done. Tony was the associate marketing manager for the brand, and now he's taken over the reins. Um, he will be doing that January 1st, 2023. So uh, pop a line in Google, and let's get lit. Pop a line in Google, and... Raise it to Papa Lining Kugel. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sonic Hard Seltzer is expanding their distribution into 21 additional states. And this is news for one reason and one reason only. And it's that Sonic has a hard seltzer. We are talking about Sonic, the drive in fast food joint. Not uh, the hedgehog. Known for their terrible commercials. And <laughs> I, I didn't know this, but apparently they have. A hard seltzer. There's two different mix packs that I'm seeing. There's a tropical and a citrus. And I, like the thing is, it's not like it's not it's not like oh, Sonic debuts their hard seltzer. Like this has apparently been happening in Oklahoma City, which is where Co-op Ale Works is, and that's the brewery that produces it. And that's part of a licensing licensing deal. They have Sonic. The list includes a lot of states. I won't read all of them, but I will say it does include Connecticut. Go, you go, Gabe. A lot of the Northeast, but also a lot of the middle of the country. And, and they almost never make the list. Montana. Montana. They're on I there. Listen, I love Connecticut, but I threw my arms up for one reason and one reason only, Montana. No California, no New York, but somehow <laughs> they managed to pull off Montana, Iowa, Idaho and uh, West Virginia, in addition to a bunch of other states. So, because uh, what else do you want to drink with your Sonic burger and grilled cheese? A hard seltzer. Anything else? Any I hope they thing. don't serve it at the drive-throughs because <laughs> cars. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I didn't know about this either. I I was very surprised. Um, it, I will say the cans kind of look cool. It's a hard seltzer, so I'm immediately I'm, I'm gonna kind of you know shit on it a little bit, but naturally the yeah. cans look cool. So good for you, Sonic. Go Sonic, go. Um, yeah, it, that's literally the whole story. Sonic has a hard seltzer. That's weird, and we don't know how to feel about it. Um, so that's about that. But uh, speaking of things that we don't know how to feel about, yeah, buddy. This week in gross. There is a brewery in the world. They are called Wakefield Brewing or J Wakefield Brewing to be exact. They are located in Miami, Florida, and they are responsible for a new beer called Sakurat. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that word, Sakurat is the word for the crunchy rice that forms at the bottom of a paella pan. That actually has a name, and it's called Sakurat, and somehow they've turned that 
into a beer. So this is a, a 4.2% ABV rice lager brewed using actual rice as well as saffron and lemon. I like hmm. paella very much. That crispy rice is like coveted gold. Do I want to drink it though? I'm not sure. Well, first things first for Gabe in New York City. I wasn't aware that that's how you spell paella. I've never had to spell it in my life, so that was <laughs> new for me. Um, and second of all, yeah, I don't, I, I don't. I, it's not even. It's not even this weekend. Gross. It's just this weekend. What the fuck? Like why? Yeah, this weekend. Huh? Like it's um <laughs> this weekend confused. <laughs> it it's. We've had beer with rice in it before, so that part isn't really the problem. It's more that like crunchy rice is all—it's burnt rice, basically, is what it is, right? It's like it's like crispy and kind of crunchy, and those those mean the same thing, and and like kind of burned, and so it's savory, and I just don't really know why it's the saffron that gets me. I don't know. I'm just I have question marks about it. Do I think it's like going to be tomato basil gross? No. Probably not. Uh, the beer is a collaboration between the brewing team and Chef Brooks, who cooks a massive paella at the Wakefest Invitational. It's uh, the anniversary party and international beer festival every year for Jay Wakefields. So that would be break, yeah. break out the paella. That would be he has he has a full name and that would be Chef Aaron Brooks. He is the uh, is. chef at the Edge Steak Bar and Grill at the Four Seasons Hotel in Miami. So, yeah, um, uh, I, I don't know. Let us know your thoughts. Who's into this? Because I don't know. I could see this going one of two ways. I could see like ew, disgusting, and hmm, interesting. So. I never knew I needed that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it made the cut because we just like having <laughs> having this segment on the show. But then, yeah, I don't know. I'm not as passionate about it. Maybe this one will surprise. I'm just confused. <laughs> All right, we got three beers to drink. Let's get to it. Raise your glasses, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I was looking at poetry about dreams and dreaming and things of that nature. And when I was doing that, I stumbled upon the work of Langston Hughes, and I thought that that would be very appropriate given the month that it is. So here we go. This is called Laughers by Langston Hughes. Dream singers, storytellers, dancers, loud laughers in the hands of fate, my people, Dishwashers, elevator boys, ladies' maids, crap shooters, cooks, waiters, jazzers, nurses of babies, loaders of ships, rounders, number writers, comedians in vaudeville, and bandmen in circuses, dream singers all, my people, storytellers all, my people, dancers, God, what dancers, singers, God, what singers, singers and dancers, dancers and laughers, Laughers? Yes. Laughers. 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 Loudmouthed laughers in the hands of fate. And just briefly, hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field frozen with snow. 
First of all, shout out Langston. Well done. Second of all, I know I've heard that second one. It's another poem called Dreams by Langston Hughes. I I know I've heard that second one before, so. Trogues just has this, like, they're they have this like independent like creativity to them like we'll get into that oh, yeah. but i just was thinking about like you know people following a dream and a passion and then Langston hughes came up and it was just a beautiful rabbit hole to go down so uh there you are that's my toast to i i loved it i feel inspired i feel ready i feel eager let's get drunk Break out the big here. bottles, am I right? <laughs> yeah, these bottles are 12.7 ounces. Mm. They're just, just a little bigger than you're used Love to. These guys. And that's uh yeah, I'm excited about this first one. This is a this is a fermented ale. It's been a while since we had anything sour or anything of that nature on the show. So here we go. We're kicking things off with the Deer Peter. It is a Pennsylvania wild fruit ale fermented with nectarines. It is 7.6%. Beer Advocate has it at 89, untapped at 3.9. The IBUs are at 9. So not that that really matters in a sour, but that's <laughs> where we are. Uh, it's fermented with lacto, PDO, and Brett strains. Uh, it's got nectarines in it. As I said, it was aged in oak, French, Hungarian, and Italian oak. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in this beer. They, this yeah, be a they journey. provided a lot of details, and I feel like that was important for everyone to understand what goes into this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about this. It's I, literally like, when's the last time we had a sour? Couldn't tell you. Yeah, it's been... It's been IPAs, stouts, brown ales, and that's pretty much it, <laughs> and doubles. That's the winter, but... <laughs> This is part of their uh, Splinter series where they do some wood aging and things like that. Things that we love. Put it in a barrel with ba- Gabe and Steven. Welcome to the show. Bang! Exclamation point. From the brewery, Dear Peter's Family, we heard about the nectarines that were bruised in a hailstorm. Well, what won't work at a roadside stand will be aces for brewing. We're picturing a bracing sour with a sweet overripe nose, Brett for funk, lacto for pucker, and a spell on oak to bring it all home. Those nectarines will take them all. Amen. I guess that means this farm that they worked with, this Peter's Orchards, had some fucked up nectarines, and this is them making lemonade? Probably. Uh, the brewery does use all locally sourced ingredients, uh, items, and the such. Uh, they go to the farmers in the area, so it makes total sense that this is what we got. This is what she looks like. And on the SRM chart, I mean, I, it's it's in the 20s. It's very brown. It's obviously, when you hold it up to the light, it's got a little bit of that oaky coloring to it. But for the most part, it's very like deep wooden mahogany. We both got our tulip glasses. We both understood the assignment. Artikus. We know what we're doing. Um, yeah, it's surprisingly dark. I agree. I mean, I would, yeah, probably put it around like a 23, 24. It's... I don't know. When you pour a sour, you just expect it to be kind of more on the golden <laughs> Not side. Not this. <laughs> yeah. And this is definitely sort of a, a mahogany, like reddish brownish thing that is already intriguing. So 
I'm into it. It smells right off the nose, very fruity, very uh I- I'm getting a little bit of berries. Obviously, you know, the, those nectarines are hiding, um, but they're they're kind of in the forefront. Um, you know, a little bit of peach, a little bit of that funkiness, obviously with a you know, a wild fruit ale. I really like the wild fruit ales because I feel like it's kind of, there's just a party going on um, and there's Mm -hmm. just a lot of elements. So it's a lot for us to break down, which is always fun, but I'm getting a lot of like berry fruit uh, just overall. I I feel like this is fun in a glass. I agree. I think that obviously the, the peach and the nectarine are there. There's some, some citrus for sure. Some lemon zest is there. It's very tart and fruity. There's a good bit of funk to it. You put your nose in this, you automatically know this is definitely going to be a sour. But behind the funk is a nice sweetness. I would say it's almost like the fruit has been candied or something. You know, it's like a... Yeah, um, a little bit of sugariness. Yeah, Let, it's... Go ahead. I, I mean, I don't know if I want to say candy. Rather, I'd rather say what you said, candied sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, there's there's something little kid in a candy store to me about this. Yes. I will say finding the oak is is a little bit challenging. It's there, but it's this is a very complex nose. So you you get hit with that lactic thing, the funk and all that. You get hit with the fruit. The peach by the nature of it being peach is a subtle flavor that is hard to pick up. And the oak as well is is there, but it's just subtle behind a lot of other things that's going on. I'm going to say fruit smoothie. Mm. Um, yeah. Sour fruit smoothie. <laughs> sour fruit smoothie. Maybe you're on vacation and maybe you're on a cruise and you know those bars that you have to like swim up to? Love it. Yes. I mean, it's cold here, so I don't know why my brain went there, but I just like I feel like that's where you would find this Mm. Um, after we taste it. We'll probably be able to better decide where we can drink it. But for right now, we're drinking it on the hop. We're drinking it on the hop. And that's all that matters. So cheers. Let's get sour up in this piece. Munch. (laughs) Oh, man, that's awesome. It's fruity and funky and very tart, but it's not in a – I keep reading online of, like, how puckering it is. I don't think it's that puckering. I think it's just enough that it it grabs your attention. It's thirst-quenching. It's fruity. It's, it's very uh, – the flavors – I think it follows the nose very well, which is awesome, but there's something – very inviting and party like about this like i i feel like i feel like i'm on vacation yeah i i think that the for me i i i did feel that it was a little bit puckering by the nature of what it is i mean it's very this is a very very acidic beer um by by nature of what it is but i think that it's incredibly well balanced the uh, it follows the nose really really well the nectarine is, I mean, those nectarines are ripe and perfect and they're- Chef kiss. Yeah, doing the job. There's a, a nice balancing out, though, behind the tartness of the vanilla kind of oak, the the uh, earthiness of the oak flavors and the, and the 
sweet kind of backbone that 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 brings and uh not to mention just the abv and the overall like body of the beer it's malty in a way there's a little bit of hay or something in there that that just balances it out so it's not just hitting you with fruit and acid even though that is the predominant thing it's very well balanced uh and i very complex. feel i feel like i'm still getting berry i feel like i'm getting raspberry i feel like i'm getting a little blackberry i think i'm getting a little Maybe a little blueberry. Like, I, I don't know. There's something. Yes, it's fruity and it's all that stuff. And then peach and nectarine, I feel like, are the highlight. But I would argue it seems to me to be a little bit balanced in a, in a berry way. And I don't think berries were made with this. But I just that's immediately where my brain goes to, which is very interesting. Yeah, this I mean, this is one that if you're a real craft beer nerd, you can just sit around and you can you can get wine like about this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can sit around and detect notes of sherry and vinegar and whatever. You can do all that because it's just so complex that there's just um, the more you sit with it and the more it warms and evolves as a drink in the glass and stuff. The more kind of things you're going to pick up. I mean, for me, the more I sip on it, the more that oak becomes a prominent feature, and and I really really like that a lot i agree with the berry thing i think the nectarines and the peaches they're just yeah, maybe maybe it's just like a weird combo that it does something it's just that the, those flavors are, are more subtle so the kind of berryness i mean it there aren't berries in this but the way that it mix and mingles it does have a mixed fruit kind of feel to it i will say it's like i said before it's very it's funky it's very acidic it's very carbonated very very highly carbonated this is one that will pucker your mouth a little bit for me and it is one that you you're not just going to down this you're going to take your time with it for a lot of reasons one is you've got a lot of flavors to kind of deal with and and negotiate and you have just a the kind of beer that you'll get acid reflux if you just throw this back you gotta you know pace yourself with this with this bitch (laughs) well I yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think the oakiness is starting to come through for me. I think it's starting to come through more on the smell than the taste. But, you know, that's fine. Um, I would. A, believe you if you told me you could barrel age this and B, would love to try this barrel aged. I feel like there's something this is barrel aged. Right. But like. Well, well, okay, not barrel. Like, I, I want this to be in the barrel for, like, longer. Mm, okay. I feel like if you age it a little bit more, it might bring out something more. I could be wrong, but I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's a fun experiment. They like to experiment, clearly, at the brewery. So I feel like they've they've had this just hanging upside down for two years, and they're like, all right, let's see what happens, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I see what you mean in terms of, like, you could take the alcohol. You could do something even you could do something even crazier with this i guess uh i don't know what that would be but you could definitely it's it's more of a subtle sour than like you know there are breweries that do like first of all very high abv type stuff and mm-hmm. then there are breweries that do things like balsamic vinegar sours which sound bizarre but Woof. actually can work in a in a weird way this is more subtle than that for sure but the the tartness and the acidity is definitely there and I mean, for people that are sour people, seven point six percent is no slouch of a beer for this yeah. kind of beer for a fermented ale. I feel like you don't see that a lot too. 
Yeah, that's that's really something. So overall, I am I am refreshed that we had you and I have never really been sour people. That's not our go to thing, but we've opened up our lives um, in the past couple of years. But I mean, I feel like refreshed that we have a sour now. It's been so long. Yeah, I I feel the same way. And like I said earlier, um, there's something about seeing the words wild fruit ale or wild fermented. Like there's just something in my brain goes like, it's going to be a sour, but it's going to be better than a regular sour. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like I just, I feel like there's more going on. I feel like it's more fun. I feel like it's more to think about. There's just more complexity um, with balance. So I feel like this is a knockout. I, I think it's great. Um, would I drink this every day? No, but not because it's not good. Just me personally, I don't always head in this direction. But I mean, if yeah. you want something fruity and sweet and also packs a little bit of a punch, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, and it's part of the uh, Splinter series that I said. So that's their their wood aging series. Their wood aged beers, quote, are deep cuts. Sometimes we add fruit for tartness or wild yeast for funk. Sometimes we add both. Put these beers in your favorite glass or put them in your cellar. The next chapter is yours. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. This is the kind of Amen. beer that you could keep aging in your fridge or cellar for right? a while, and it will continue to grow and develop, you know? Yeah, and then you break it out at your... Wedding, bar mitzvah, quinceanera, whatever you want to do. At your, at your quinceanera. Uh, if you're the parent <laughs> in that relationship, and you can sip on it. It can be, be really your good. quinceanera beer. You're 16. Welcome to 15? Oh, sorry. 15. I don't know. What uh, what wh- you think I know the answer to that? I was you just, just saying how to shit. spell paella. I, yeah, uh, I just learned how to spell paella. I don't know what the age <laughs> cutoff for quinceanera is. All right, let's talk about Trogues Brewing. Trogues Independent Brewing. I love that that is part of their name. We'll get into that. But this company, it's a Pennsylvania company founded in 1997 by a pair of brothers, John and Chris Trogner. And then they called their brewery Trogues. I feel like that's something I would call them. Like, you know how I tend to like shorten people's names? I feel like if I knew John and Chris Trogner, Trogner, I'd be like, let's get the Trogues over here. Yeah, that yeah, (laughs) that is 100% what you do. That would be, yeah. It would like in your phone the contact name wouldn't would say be, John and Chris. It would just say Trogues One and Trogues Two. Trogues. <laughs> uh like somebody called them that on like the plate. Like, hey Trogues, come over here. All right. Yeah. Enough of that. Um they're the the brewery describes itself as being driven by a sense of adventure and curiosity. It's kind of what I was talking about before. It, look, it's a brewery. You know them. You know them. You know Trogues, you know the Mad Elf, you know the Perpetual IPA, probably Troganator. Yeah, you know them. But they also have an incredible sense of experimentation and creativity and a lineup of beers that Gabe can talk about more than I can because he's been there. Yes, sir. Oh, so pumped to go. Uh, When you're in a wedding in Pittsburgh and you're on your way back to New York, you got to make a pit stop. Um, So I was able to go. uh, So I went to their main tap room in Hershey giant giant i i I, there's no other way to describe it it literally looks like an airport hangar just this if you're looking on youtube you can see it behind behind steven yeah Yeah, it just this giant giant open room with uh you know you walk in and the first thing you see depending on what door you go in the first thing you see is these giant wooden tanks that are like 
you know, seem like they're eight stories high. Then you go down the hallway and it's the big, big tap room. Uh, beers over there, full kitchen service over there. We ate our weight in pretzel, uh, uh, corn fries, and uh, buffalo chicken something because why the hell not? Uh, we ended up getting a flight. Uh, we got a couple beers. We got a couple pictures. But it, it's just this awesome, awesome spot. They have a bunch of rotating stuff. Uh, everything is written in chalkboard above, like, where the taps are. Uh, so it's big and bright for you to see. So many open seats. Uh, so, so many things that you can uh, see there um, because they have that. That's on, like, the main level is all the beer. And then you go upstairs and they've got like an art museum. So what they do is they have artists send in like beer art pretty much, um, you know, uh, any sort of medium, painting, sculpting, you know, oil, pastel, like whatever you want. And they have like this little uh, uh, art exhibit of all beer stuff. I think they there was one piece. It was like a skull and it was made of um, beer tops. Like, it's just all crazy stuff like that. They have competitions all the time. Um, I'll mention about that on Can Arts and Crafts. But basically, I mean, you can draw in, and if you get chosen, your label is on their next new beer. I mean, they have stuff like that all the time. It's an amazing, huge spot. Yeah, they're a brewery that, first of all, their distribution, if you don't know Trogues somehow, it's probably because you don't live near Trogues. Because the thing is that Trogues is... Definitely a, a, a brewery with a small distribute. You know, they're independent and they it's in their name and they distribute to Pennsylvania, Ohio, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, Virginia, New York, Massachusetts, D.C., Connecticut and North Carolina. So if you're outside of the, that area, it's going to be, you know, your more niche beer stores that are able to get their hands on it. They've won copious amounts of awards at the Gabs and elsewhere. But um, and they and. Artwork is a huge part of, of what they do, as Gabe said. I mean, he'll talk about that more later. I remember Snapchatting you a picture of a man almost fully naked, lying on like a lage on a, on a chaise lounge with a beer in his hand, and I was like, "Oh my god, that looks like Steven. So I sent it to you, and it makes me laugh. Thank you for telling the world that you and I still Snapchat. We're like, it's like you, me, and one other friend are like the last <laughs> people on earth that use Snapchat. Hey, but listen, sometimes listen. You, you need a quick photo to send and it works in a pinch. It's how we communicate. We need to move on. Um, but the, the company, yeah, so they've been around for, for more than 25 years. They, um, there's a lot to go into with Trogues in terms of their um, their community giving you know giving back to the community and and yeah. being a part of you know how they work with farmers and buying back spent grain and stuff that they can use in the beer, uh, just the way that they've integrated themselves into the community in uh, Central Pennsylvania or wherever whatever part of Pennsylvania it is. Uh, it's, it's Hershey. I don't know. It's chocolate land. It's Hershey, but like it's also like I I, I feel like I could it's be Willy wrong Wonka. about this. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's like their main thing is in Hershey, but like they have not other tap rooms, but like other areas where they're like, yeah, it's where we hold stuff over here and over there. They are Pennsylvania through and through. Yeah. And the reason I just wanted to quickly kind of emphasize, I guess, that they are Trogues Independent Brewing. I mean, that's the name that's on the label. And 
basically they've t- I mean they've tied themselves to that. And it, that's that's what's beautiful about it to me is that they can't be bought up by a big corporation. It's literally in their name. I mean, could they change the name? Yes, but the point is that it's it's clearly a core tenant for them. They are still the independent brewery that they were when they were founded in 97 and they've gotten a lot bigger, but they're still a, a really high quality great spot and uh definitely yeah. one that's you know their beers always come through i mean the nugget nectar the nugget nugget the yeah. um their ipas are phenomenal and then they have these you know this splinter series with the barrel aging as well as other series i mean they've got a whole lineup of cork and caged beers they've got a scratch series which is an experimental series that focuses on new techniques and non-traditional ingredients and they do things like Weizenbox and lagers and barley wines and I love barley wines so mm. there's a lot going on here it's a great great place and I think this fruit ale that we're drinking is a perfect reflection of the kinds of you know off the beaten path stuff that they put out yay there we fun go fun times uh, we do have two more beers to yeah, get we to. Go. We are going to split off and uh, go in some separate directions. Uh, Steven, would you like to go first or should I? I probably should, knowing what's coming up for you. So Great. What do you got? Okay, I've got me a Belgian-style double, double ale. It's a 7% ABV double. It's called the Jovial. It's a bottle-conditioned ale. From the same series, it's got 13 IBUs, 7%, mm. as I said. Beer Advocate has it at 86, untapped, 3.81. And we have another beer that was sort of surprisingly darker than I thought it would be. I mean... Also in a big-ass bottle. Yes, uh, same, you know, 12.7-ounce uh, situation going on. But I just, when I hear Belgian, I assume it's going to look golden and this does not it's much darker it looks honestly it's it's even darker than the last one it's got this like mahogany wood color to it yeah it it looks very very brownish which is cool yeah i mean srm chart i'm putting it maybe 28 29 around there it's uh Let's see, from the brewery, their description, it was originally brewed for Chris's wedding, Chris being one of the founders. We decided Jovial was just too good, a union of dark stone fruit character and evocative notes of toffee, chocolate, and molasses to make only once. You may kiss the beer. Dum, dum, ta, dum, 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 ta, dum. Where's the wedding music when we need it? You know, <laughs> we haven't played it in Where's so long. Where's that drop? Yeah. Okay. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we have it. <laughs> It's a wedding beer, guys. <laughs> okay. Let me stop. Yeah, this one, this one's uh, cool. Um, this one is definitely one of their uh, better sellers at the brewery. Um, there, it's just very popular. A lot of people know about it. A lot of people like it. So I would say I'm jealous, but I've got a couple in my fridge, so I'm not really worried about it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Abbey Ale yeast. It is uh, the brewery describes it brimming with optimism. Jovial reveals its enduring charm and infinite merriment with each passing sip. This enticing Belgian style double features hints of raisin, fig, date, and prune as the flavor develops. Traces of toffee, chocolate, and subtle spices emerge. Oh, I'm excited for this one. Belgian, another style that we haven't had on the show in a while. I'm. 
I don't I, remember the last time I heard Belgian style double and chocolate. Yeah, it's got a dark quality to it. That's why I'm so excited about it because, you know, Belgian, you think of the banana, the bubble gum, the, you know, spices, but this has a dark quality to it. And uh, here we go. The hops are crystal and magnum. Giggity. Uh, the grain is <laughs> Abbey chocolate, Munich, and Pilsner grains, malts. All right, I'm going to smell it now. You do that. And uh, I also want to point out double is spelled D-U-B-B-E-L, which I found. Which I found jovial. Oh, I see what Wink. you did there. Yay. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should mention that the head, it poured with like about a half a thumbnail of like it's like pretty creamy and frothy and it's sort of eggshell or off-white almost tan but not quite and mm. it has a little bit of retention to it i mean the sour was pretty straight no head just pretty flat in the glass like wine yeah. this is much more you know much more sort of bubbly frothiness going on here the nose is is definitely belgian i mean those spices are there up front it's faint though. It's it's uh, subtle, and there's some dark fruit and some brown sugar in there. There's some uh, plum, some fig, cherry, I guess. Um, but you know, you get the yeastiness. You get the rye bread. You get the brown bread. You get the the sort of peppery quality. It's not the bubblegum banana thing that you get off. Oh, of. see, I was gonna ask. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's darker than that. I mean, it's dates, it's figs. Uh. I, I don't think banana really applies to this as much. I see where that, that comes in because that Belgian spice thing is there. Like I said, there's a little bit of, you know, coriander, a little bit of nutmeg, but it's just darker. The malt is darker. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put it in that category. It's just something a little bit more earthy or complex than you might expect from the Belgian style that you're used to if you're used to like, I don't know, shock top or something like that. Right, 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 right. Well, You've got a beer to drink, so I'm going to take a sip. Here we Yay. go. Salud. Let's go to Belgium. Enjoy. Uh, looks good. Sounds good. Um, this is uh, one of their year-rounders as well, uh, so, uh, which was listed on the site. So uh, if you don't have your hands on it yet, fret not because uh, you can get it. And hopefully if Steven likes this, maybe now he'll buy some Fig Newtons. Well, here's the thing, Gabe. <laughs> Oh boy. Steven really likes this. There Steve, we go. All right. Steven likes this <laughs> a lot. Um it's just so much darker in the mouth than you think it's going to be even when you smell it. I mean, you look at it, you know what the Belgian style is, but the dark fruit, I mean, raisin, 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 like definitely that like dried out darker fruit, darker sweetness, uh some cranberry, some plums um there's but there's you know like fruit cake and there's a little bit of spiciness and pepperiness but it's a, a, it's maltier than you're used to yeah. with a belgian style and i love that it's like it's like if you blended like a red ale with a belgian style or something like that it's it's just a, a really nice sort of darker maltier sweeter take on the style uh, without that sort of thing that can sometimes go to my head. Whatever that spiciness banana thing is, the starchiness can yeah. sometimes just... But this is really nice. And a really nice compliment to the beer I started with. 
that doesn't matter for the beer, but just I'm just telling you that. It finishes though, and there's there's oak quality to this too. I don't know if this has been aged in oak. Uh, I don't believe that it has, but whatever. It's got an oakiness to it, a wood quality to it. Some, uh, you know, the back end is a little bit of brown sugar, a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of dark cherry. I don't know that I get chocolate, but caramel, yeah, toffee, nice. maybe a little bit uh, subtly. Definitely caramel and like agave though. Oh, and wow. How sweet is it? It's sweet in a malty way. It's not in a like, malty way, okay. It's not like a dessert beer or anything like that, but there's a there's a definite like honey or um, you know, the the sweet breads, the sweet malts are there, the rye bread, the like I said, fruit cake before. Those things are definitely very, very present uh present and pleasant. And as far as the body goes, I mean, the carbonation is moderate to high. It's uh, definitely less uh, aggressive than the sour was, but it leads to a, just a pleasant finish that with a little bit of lingering sweetness, a little bit of lingering dark fruit, but fuck, it's good. So it makes you jovial. I feel jovial right now. <laughs> I want to go watch somebody get married. Aw. Wedding. It's wedding season. No, it's not. It's, it's wedding out. season, kids. You sandbagging son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> what <do you laughs> uh, why don't you why don't tag you... me in? I'm going in the complete opposite re- uh, direction. Yeah. I've got a hazy diaper in my fun little trogues cup that I stole from the brewery. Fun. Sorry, guys, but it had water in it. Relax. If you're listening, we have your property. <laughs> I've got the Hop Cyclone. It is a their hazy double IPA. 9%, no IBUs to speak of. Beer Advocate gave it a 91. Untapped gave it a 4.05. Uh, this is part of their once a year lineup. Once a year. These highly sought after fan favorites. Think Mad Elf. Think Nugget Nectar. Think Master of Pumpkins and more. Only come around once a year. Grab them while you can. Amen. And from the brewery and the can, experience hop waves of epic proportions thanks to our hop cycle, hop cyclone technology, which churns in our fermenters and makes sure the notes of pineapple, soft citrus, and juicy peach hit every last drop of this beer. London 3 yeast ups the tropical ante and helps uphold the haze from the grain. With heroic hop flavor and low bitterness, this once-a-year release will disappear without warning. Don't miss it. I won't. I won't. Um, This is the part of the show where we like to incorporate science um, because of the way they make this beer is how they got its name. Um, It's a dry hopping system that's at the brewery. Uh, they say during fermentation, we pull out a portion of beer and with our hop gun, we dose in hops to create a densely hopped mix. The mix is then pumped back into the fermenter. We repeat the process until all the hops that the recipe calls for have been added. Proof that science exists in beer. The science. Hops- science class didn't pay attention. Uh, the hops are Citra, Sabro, Sultana, and Simcoe. The grains are Pilsner, Wheat, Vienna, and Unmalted Wheat. And then, as I said, the yeast is London 3. This is what it looks like for you YouTubers. It is uh, a little more on the 
I wanted to say pale yellow, but I feel like I'm going more of the light orange juice category. Um, on the SRM chart, I'd probably put it between like a seven, eight, nine-ish. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for, for me to tell from here. It looks yeah a little light, but um, some, it's definitely hazy, though. Some good-ass foam uh, head retention, about a centimeter thick, but it's very pillowy and very creamy-like. Um, off the nose... This is also breaking news, people, because uh, we have a new hop. I've never heard of Sultana hops before. Neither have I. And, yeah, uh, neither have I. This is, uh, this is a big moment for the hop. We love when we we love when we get a new hop on the hop. Aww. It's like three puns in one day, bro. I'm like on fire. <laughs> Steven's on a roll. I'm fucking nailing it. Okay, it's that It's that first beer we had. It just puts you, it, it puts you there. Um, <laughs> off the nose, basically the description. Soft juiciness pineapple fruit tangerine uh tropicalness i believe it's it's just like it's very in that category um the citra comes through very well um the other hops i feel like will play a factor in the taste rather than the smell so here we go cheers cheers uh yeah you're bringing it back to what they do very well, which is uh, IPAs, sort of less experimental, but but this is one that is, you know, it has this sort of hop injection or whatever the hell they hop gun. Um, so it's it is experimental in its way, but it's less of a, a sort of um, to, you know souring like all the experimental stuff we've been doing. This is more in their wheelhouse. Which is not to say those other ones aren't good. It's just it's it's nice to get that sort of perspective on what Trokes can do. So uh, how do you like it? Oh, I like it. This one's fun <laughs> because it's got the juiciness, softness, softness, and a little bit of those sweet candy-like characteristics. It is a double but it's it's very close to being a triple and i don't just say that because of the abv i'm saying that because of the taste because of the smell because of the overall mouth feel i mean it's a little bit soft in the mouth it's very easy going down it's got a good carbonation to it it's got a little bit of a bite i would dare to call it a nibble um but it is very <laughs> um it is very juicy it is very citrusy um it is I'm serious. It's like very close to being a triple um, based off of the triples we've been having recently and the way we talk about them and the way we describe them. Um, I really enjoy it. I think I think this is one of those beers that it's just like it's an it's an absolute just freaking knockout when you get it on tap at the brewery. However, just having it in the can is perfect. Like there's no harm, no foul. But I can just see it straight from the tap. It'd just be so much fresher and so much nicer. Um, I did find the note in my phone. I said earlier how I got a uh, flight when I was there. I did find the note in my phone of what I got because I wrote it down because I'm smart. So my flight consisted of strawberry lemon shebang, which was a strawberry lemon like fruited beer. It was like really. Th yeah, it was thirst quenching and delicious. Uh, field study. I, oh, that the strawberry lemon shebang was seven point two percent. 
Field Study IPA, which was 6.2%, dope IPA. Lucky Holler Hazy IPA, which was 6.8. That one was fun because I remember a lot of conflicting flavors, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And then the big bad boy was the Impending Descent Barrel Age, which was an 11.1% barrel-aged beer, and it knocked my ass off. Touchdown! Unbelievable! Thanks, Joe Buck. It was dope. There's and- always got to be uh, like a like a big mic drop at the end of a flight you gotta throw one if they have it on the menu you gotta throw it in that's it was how we the roll. first it was the first beer i saw when i looked up and i was like okay well that's my fourth <laughs> so i ordered it that way um but those beers were dope these beers are dope um if we're gonna rank i'm gonna go with the the double ipa uh the hop cyclone yeah, as my it doesn't, it's not a fair fight to rank them because the sour is so good but this this double is is uh, i know i i think if okay so you drink both of these beers and you have to get a third round what are you getting i'm going with the ipa yeah it's scrum diddly umptious okay mm. we gotta we gotta move on um so paging bob? paging bob 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 did he <laughs> Where is he? Can Art and Crafts. Bobby is here. He loves trogues. He loves all beer. Otherwise, he'd be fired. As always, we're going in order. All right. The Dear Peter. Lovely bottle. The bottle, this this size bottle gives you points already because it's unlike other bottles. It's got the the cork top to it that is not in this picture, but it's awesome. Uh, Dear Peter in cursive lettering. uh, Looks like a nectarine and some wheat across the side. Tells you what it is. Not a lot of artwork going on, but it still works. The Jovial is basically the same way. Stephen, if you'd be a pal and hold it up, just because I don't have it in front of me right away. Um, but the Jovial is kind of the same way. There's a little more artwork going on. It's got like a black background with some doves, I think. Um, and Jovial is also written in a very fancy style. And it's got a doves picture of a beer wedding. on it. It was he's getting married. There he we go. It. Yeah, okay. So that, that one's going to get some solid points. And then the Hop Cyclone um, is fun. It kind of looks like it's just like big, bright lettering. Um, It kind of I don't know why, but it's for some reason reminds me of like Grateful Dead, like logos and writing and lettering. I could be very wrong. I'm not a big deadhead. So if I am wrong, please let me know. Uh, I'm going to give the Dear Peter a solid six out of ten. I'm going to give that Jovial 7.2. I am going to give the Hop Cyclone an eight. Uh, those are my scores for Can Arts and Crafts. They're all great. Uh, lots of fun stuff going on. But, you know, we could always use a little more artwork. Uh, speaking of artwork, as we mentioned at the top of this show, n- near the beginning of the show, they have their own little art exhibit. Uh, so if you are interested in sending the brewery art, if you are interested in their art competitions to get your designs on one of their newer beers, I will be honest, I'm not entirely sure they are still doing it, but they might be. Uh, they Y'all got to update that website, but head to the website, trogues.com. Just click on the art section. It'll give you all the information you need. Bob Ross already applied. He's already going to get a record uh, breaking deal with them because that's how he does. And so he's going to go to bed now. Good night. And that is another great edition of Can Arts and Crafts. Trogues. 
we promised you would have your own episode. You do now. You're welcome. We make good on our promises here on the hop. And um, damn straight. Wow, what a company it is. Uh, just you know, drink drink their beers if you get a chance because it's uh, no two beers are alike, and yet everyone is a knockout, which is yeah. very rare to see. So get on it. And with that, we must move on because we're running out of time. Uh, it's time for last call. Last call. We did not make a sound bite. Hey ho! Here's the thing, Gabe and Steven love the Olympics. Damn straight. So we're going to just talk about it for a minute because they're <laughs> happening right now. Quick disclaimer on this whole thing, just so that we nip this in the bud right now. China, you got some issues to figure out politically. <laughs> Stop treating the Uyghur people the way you do. And uh, the Olympics in general um, has some questionable politics and there's a lot of issues behind this Olympics. But let's put all of that aside and just talk about sports because that's what Gabe and I know best. Yeah, but that's snowboarding, to, though. <laughs> I just want to get that up front. Just let's put no, that yeah. out there. And for then we sure, can move for sure, it. for sure. Um, one of the bigger stories for us um, is I feel I, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like not every Olympics. There's so many people representing obviously representing like USA, but representing Connecticut. There are uh, that we know of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven athletes, figure skating, hockey, luge, luge, skiing, speed skating, snowboarding, like so many Olympians are fresh out of Connecticut. So we want to give them a shout out. Uh, Julia Marino won silver for snowboarding not too long ago, and she's from I don't even remember, so I'm just going to say somewhere in Connecticut. But it's so cool to see. Uh, we love, love the Olympics. Um, it's the only time of year where you are like, oh, the Olympics are on. It's something to watch. You turn it on and you see a sport and you're like, oh, luge. You're like, yeah, that's cool. And then five minutes later, you're like, hell yeah, let's go. Except for curling. I can't. Yeah. I just, you know. <laughs> There's always I, one. I can't figure out. Hey, you know what, though? And I will also say the biathlon. I was watching a lot of that today. Which one it, is that? Is that the one with the skiing di- and the and the shooting? And, and the it's rifle? like, I find yeah. it fascinating because I still, to this day, I don't understand why they're clipped together the way they are. It's, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand what it's like. You just took two. It's just so random. It's like. Let's match up like um, horseback riding and golf. You know, it's just so. <laughs> yeah. It's just and so. That's polo. Thi- <laughs> they did that. See, you, that's you kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. It's 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 random. It's weird, but there's something about. First off, the the way in the biathlon, because like. They're not really skiing. They're not going downhill. Half the time they're it's going cr- uphill. It's cross country skiing. And it's oh. that's that's what makes it so unwatchable. Is they look like they're in so much pain and you just go like why like why are you subjecting yourself to you, yeah. you look so unhappy? Yeah. Um, I feel for them. I really do. But it's I I love the Olympics. I love that there's just sports on TV all day, every day. Yeah. And you can just watch the most random things. I mean, 
I think summer is objectively better. Like, let's just, that's obvious, right? I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. swimming, swimming, beach, volleyball, surfing, sailing. Well, I'll say this. I feel like USA does better in the summer. Uh, unless your name is Sean White. Um, USA does better in the summer. So I, I feel just like need to watch like luge is a good example of like losing losing is just there's not it's hard to watch there's just not it, they're just shooting down at it, there's yeah I know there's a lot to it i understand but like it's it's uh, in terms of entertainment of, of like sport as entertainment it's sort of like this guy just laying there and you're like all right well they're going hope fast. he makes it yeah <laughs> But they've got those gloves that have like spikes at the end of the fingertips so they can scrape the ice as they first yeah. go down. So that's always fun. I like um, I've been watching a lot of ski jumping, which is where they basically just uh, shoot off the end and just fly. Yeah. For a little oh, bit. my God. But that, see, that's what I'm talking about. So I was watching it the other day and I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of epic. Like, let's turn this on. And I was doing something else while it was on. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's cool. Oh, wow. She went really far. Oh, she didn't go that far. And then literally five minutes later, I'm sure most people can attest to this. Five minutes later, uh, an athlete goes. She doesn't do that well. And I'm like, "Ugh, you didn't even make 90 yards. Like, ugh, get out of here. Like, <laughs> immediately, I'm, I think I know everything. Like, that's just what happens. That is what happens. You You get very into these very obscure sports very quickly. And that's why we love them because Gabe and I have been really passionate about like beach volleyball is the one that comes to mind. We got that's, really into that. That was the one. I will never forget that day. We were both living together on 92nd Street. Yeah. And I I was like, oh, beach volleyball's on. It's a it's the it's Italy and Sweden. All right, yeah, I'll watch yeah, it before we're busy, I have to go. We're sitting on the couch, whatever. Well, yeah, yeah the background I was noise. Like, I'll watch Fine. it before I have to go to work. And then five minutes later, I was like screaming at the TV because I was yeah. so into it. I was like, hell yeah, you got to block that. Like, But curling is, um, I don't know how people do that all year round. But, you know, good for them. Uh, the Italians are very good at it. So you can you can be happy about that. I guess we're dating this episode a little bit, but. Curling's fun because they yell at each other. They're like teammates. Most of them are husband and wife, which is funny it's, and ironic. But like they're always like screaming at each other, and they got those brooms, and they're trying to. Yeah, they shoot. They, they she throw they they throw the rock, and then they stare at it with like a laser focus that like could probably melts <laughs> glass. And then yeah. the other one just gets yelled at while they laughed, just, laughed. Holy yeah. shit, laughed. Yeah, I it's wish, great, and I. I think those little rocks, I think they're like 30 pounds or something. Yeah, they're not little rocks. Those are those Woof. are boulders. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, it's also I I feel like um we should just show our cards and mention we are recording before the Super Bowl. Otherwise, this would have been our Super Bowl episode and we would have but we don't know who won. And so uh so so deal with it. But it's either know. a tiger or a ram. Time either, will tell. It's either they're from California or it's cool. It, it <laughs> Or we feel happy for them. <laughs> it's cool because this is, you know, depending on the outcome, this could potentially be the second year in a row that the, the Super Bowl winning team 
played in their stadium, which never happens. And of course, it happens twice in a row. It's like, yeah. Did, did wow. you see the uh, the like viral thing that was going around the like joke? I'm not sure which one. It was like official statement from the NFL, and it was like. It's come to our attention that for the past two years, uh, the Super Bowl has been played in the, you know, one of the teams has has played in their own stadium. We specifically implemented the rule to, like, switch up where the Super Bowl is because of that. Based on that, every Super Bowl from now on will be played at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) The shade. The shade Uh, of getting into the bitch. Yeah, that was that was a that was a shot. Listen, uh, they'll figure it out eventually or they won't. And who? cares cowboys fans probably we have to go uh you know tom brady is finally gone i officially you know he's the goat love him to death but for the for god's sakes finally get you know out of here and last week we threw up our cigar city episode as our throwback thursday as out of respect for the man that was our super bowl episode when he won tom brady thank you for your service good work great career yes absolutely now go I'm, ahead. I'm sure everyone, unless you've been a Pats or a Bucks fan, Tom Brady has probably ruined your season at least once. He's ruined many for me. And mm-hmm. I still can yep. say, yes, you as well. You know. And I can still say, well done. Great career. You're the GOAT. Now go. Now, away. for the love of God, don't come back. <laughs> yeah. Please. Um, we have to go. Quick, shameless personal notes. For anybody uh, that happens to live in Los Angeles, uh, I'm in a show. It opened, and uh, we're running it. The MFA class at USC is running a show through the 27th of February. We're running two shows in repertory. We look beautiful if you're on YouTube. Look at those look sexy at our faces. faces. So uh, come out and support the rep. I, I wish I was there. I'm there in spirit. Come out, see the shows. They're fun. If you're in LA, if you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of the hop and you come see my show in person, um, I'll, I don't know, I'll buy you a beer or something. We'll do something. Uh, Nice. (laughs) And other than that, Gabe and I will be back in two weeks and we hope that you enjoy the rest of the Olympics. We hope the Super Bowl was great for everybody. USA, USA, USA. Don't do that on the show. (laughs) Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.